word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey everyone, welcome to a very special episode of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. I had a, a great uh, honor to host a debate between Catherine Timpf and Chloe Angel. It's all about feminism. And the only thing that I think we all agreed on was, uh, I was definitely the dumbest person on stage. All right, let's go listen to the debate now. All right, everyone. Let's me introduce uh, the two people who are going to be discussing it. Uh, the first one, uh, she's been on Fox News Red Eye, and uh, she's a writer for the National Review. Put your hands together for Catherine Timpf, everyone. <laughs> Catherine Timpf. Thank you. All right. Uh, the next guest is a senior editor for Feministing. She has a PhD, and she's an opinion com uh, columnist for Reuters. Put your hands together for Chloe Angel, everybody. Awesome. This is great. Thanks, guys, so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, no problem. Uh, let's see. Where to start? Let's, uh, let's just talk and let's just get a general question out there. How have your personal experiences, and we didn't decide who was going to go first uh, backstage, so I'm going to say, um, Chloe, you want to go first? Uh, I thought we were going to catfight for it. Oh, catfight. Yes, an all-clothed catfight. Hot stuff. Um, all right. How have your personal experiences, Chloe, um, you know, shaped your views on feminism? Oh, boy. It's a small, it's, a, it's yeah. light. Yeah, it's a, it's a teeny question. Yeah. Uh, you have 14 seconds to answer it. Okay. Uh, I was raised by two feminists, which definitely helps. Um, I grew up in, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Cool. Um, I grew up in Sydney, Australia, which is why I sound like this. Um, and I was raised by two feminists. My mom was a big second waiver, and my dad was the man who married her. What's a um, second waiver? <laughs> you are the dumbest person on this. Planet. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, she was very active in the second wave feminist movement in the 70s. She was one of the first women to graduate from uh, an Ivy League school after they started letting women in. She was part of the, the, that second wave of big prestigious institutions opening up to women. Uh, Roe v. Wade happened when she was in her early 20s, when she was sort of being politically formed. Uh, and uh, yeah, I grew up in Sydney, Australia, and did not realize that there was a word for feminism till I was 15. Um, had a body image crisis and read Naomi Wolf's The Beauty Myth, which is a great book, and you can ignore everything else that she's done since. Um, I'll get in control for that. Um, and uh, came to my mum and said, Mum, have you heard about this thing called feminism? And bless my mum for having a really great poker face. She just said, really, tell me more about that. I've never heard about that. Um, so I became a feminist at 15. Uh, it was body image issues that got me there yeah. and uh, that in some ways keep me there today. And then I went and got a degree in sociology. Um, but most of what I've learned about feminism, I've learned from my colleagues at Feministing, which is a big feminist blog, one of the sort of, one of the uh, original feminist blogs, we were founded in 2004, and most of what I've learned about activism and about ideology, I've learned from my colleagues there, and uh, from the people that I've had a chance to interact with through the, the journalism that I've been doing there for the last five years. And uh, I That's guess, great. yeah, what's my understanding of feminism? It's yeah. the fight against sexism, it's pretty simple. It's Bell Hooks' definition, it's pretty simple. The fight against sexism. Perfect. Chloe, everybody. That was great. 
Yeah, I can imagine there's not a lot of feminists in Sydney, Australia. When you think of Australia, you think of like big burly men playing rugby and things like that. If you're lucky. Mm, uh, hot stuff. <laughs> How about you, Kat? Well, I mean, I don't know how to answer the first question, really. Like, everything, I guess, influences my views on everything, right? Like, all of our whole lives influence our views on everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, just living my life, being a female, interacting with other females. I've had a lot of, I mean, feminists hate me. I guess if we agree on... Why do you say that? A lot Because I've had feminists tell me they hate me. Uh -huh. um, it's, it's true. It came up at the last meeting. I've, uh, <laughs> I've uh, you know, been run out of a, a feminist conference without anyone asking me what I actually think about anything. And if we're talking about, like, you know, not wanting sexism, obviously I'm not a... F I am a feminist. I mean, I don't hate myself, right? But a lot of the problem that I see, like, with modern feminism, I think for me it's more not being bothered by a lot of things that are very, very frequently dissected by feminists. What are some of those things? Such as the iPhone 6 being sexist because it's too big. Like, it's Chloe, too big for my true? hands, but I just will solve it by not buying an iPhone 6. Yeah, everything's too small for me, so no, yeah. my story is never getting out there. So I just feel like so getting oppressed. mad about little, thing, like, little things like that uh, or, com you know, looking for things to complain about kind of makes women seem weaker overall. And uh, every feminist in the room probably hates me now, so that's okay. Chloe, as representing all feminists, <laughs> do you currently hate Kat Timp? God, no. I mean, one of the things I love about modern feminists is that no one person represents all feminists, thank God. Um, I think one of the big flaws with second wave feminism was that a couple of really visible figureheads did emerge and they in no way represented the diversity and vibrancy of the of the movement as it was. Who um, are these figures? You know there are one-on-one -on -one websites you can read, right? No, no, no. I, I, only, <laughs> okay. I only look at Pornhub. That's where I get all my information about women. I know very little. I'm just trying to picture the Pornhub tab open right next to the Feministing tab. It makes me yeah. really happy. Oh, yeah. Feministing was a totally different website when I went to it. Yeah. I was very... My boner just got huge, actually. I thought actually, it was... A, be, I would love be, a smart woman. You would be surprised. You'd be surprised at the number of people who find their way to Feministing by Googling fisting. It's... Oh, it's yeah. Millions, millions of accidental hits that we get. Um, it's perfect. Um, so there's room for conservatives in the feminism movement? Well, I, so the thing is, there isn't a... I wouldn't say that there's a feminist clubhouse there are no rules there are no people to kick you out i would say there are a few core beliefs that a lot of us find it very difficult to compromise on and we find it very difficult to say that you are a feminist if you don't subscribe to a couple of these ideas um to get back to your earlier question about figureheads gloria stein and betty friedan the right. two big figureheads of second wave feminism two white straight ladies who could in no way represent the movement and one of the great things about the internet is that it has brought so many more feminist voices mm. to the forefront so that we don't just have to hear from two people anymore, although I would, I think you should notice, like, the, like, right. complete lack of diversity that's going on at the moment. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I feel like, I don't know, like, Gloria Steinem, like, bugs the hell out of me, and, uh, well, she also, like, does that mean I can't be a feminist if I think she's, like... Betty Friedan, uh, she hated Gloria Steinem, and I think she's technically a feminist, so... Yeah, but the feminist has a certain connotation, of course, I mean, am I... You know, are you are you considered to be a feminist? People see me on Fox News and they're like, oh, like people, you know, how, how can you, you know, like wear those dress and you sit there like, yeah, I mean, it's disgusting when I have like random dudes, you know, tweet things at me, mm -hmm. but you know, it's not that big of a deal and I'm also doing it because I want to, so isn't that feminist? 
Do you think that you would be able to do Fox News, Rena, if you refused to sit in the leg chair and I've you're like, sit, I'm only wearing sweats this week, I've guys? Sit, no, I've sit in the middle, I sat in the middle chair one time. Right. Uh, a lot of people were very mad about it, according to my Twitter research. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I liked it because I could, you know, interact with the guys, and I liked it better than sitting in the leg chair. Does that... But... I also like the fact that because I have nice legs, that helps me get on TV. Does that make me a misogynist? Does that make me a misogynist? Or am I, as a female, allowed to want to do that and follow my, my yeah. dreams of being on television? So you have nice legs and these things are exposed. Is that, is that innately, uh, is that sexist? Is that sexist of Fox News, do you think, Chloe, to put her in the leg chair? Is that because uh, you know, she only got in there because of her uh, you know, physical beauty as opposed to her brain? Oh, I'm sure she didn't. I'm, she's clearly really smart. I don't think she right. only got in there because of her physical beauty. I don't think any of us get on television purely because of that. Well, that's not when true. it comes. <laughs> when, well, when it, when, it, when it comes to news and current affairs, obviously. No, I mean, I think I think we all make the best decisions we can about how to exist within a power structure that is really, really flawed. I go on TV, I put on makeup, I feel like I'm in drag, like I'm wearing this <laughs> ridiculous costume. I spend 35 minutes in the hair and makeup chair that, and men who will be sitting right next to me on television spend three, I know, because I've timed it. Right. And when they're done with their like perfunctory brush over and some you know, Jack Kennedy style, to be topical, you know, like quick bit of powder, they go into the green room and they glad hand and they look over their notes and they read the news and they figure out what they're gonna say and they network. Meanwhile, I'm still sitting in the makeup chair See. holding totally still so that they can apply my eyeliner. Right. I mean, I think- I all, love the makeup chair. I mean, just all-, all Can of, all I love of, the makeup chair and still be a feminist? All of, all of which is to say, I think we all make the best decisions we can within a flawed system. There is, yeah. a, there is a, a barrier for entry for getting access to that big platform of television and we, we all make compromises. I mean, if you don't wanna make compromises with a fucked up power system, you have to go live on a hill in a cave somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I just, I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if it's helpful to, to ask, you know, does X make me a bad feminist? Does X disqualify me from feminism? As far as I'm concerned, the only thing that disqualifies you from being a feminist is thinking that sexism is good or not believing in reproductive rights. Apart from that, welcome to the clubhouse. It's a big tent. Right. Yeah. And what you were saying, I did an Al Jazeera panel recently, and uh, I, I agree. Uh, the woman was getting all the makeup, and I, and I got none of it, and I was devastated. Which is a and shame. I, and, I, and I went in and I said, can I have a tummy tuck? You know, I, re I really thought the whole situation was going to, I thought they were going to make me much more attractive. It's really but, unfair, because you desperately yeah. need some, some lip liner right now. I know. I mean, it's crying out for false eyelashes right now. It's awful. So reproductive rights. So if you're pro-life, uh, pro you're out of the feminist movement. I think it's very difficult to claim that you are against sexism while also saying that the government or anyone other than the woman herself should have a say, should force a woman to be able to, to force a woman to give birth or to have an abortion against her will. Right. I mean, I think okay, it's very so difficult to square those things. I'm, I'm personally, I'm personally, I'm pro-choice, but I feel like it's kind of creepy when dudes are like pro-life, you know, I think we can all agree on that. But, um, cause they'll never have to have babies. But I feel like if a female is pro-life, does that mean that she can't be a feminist? Because that might be her personal views, it might be her religious views. I mean, some people, uh, that's just Well, some people that have a very personal experience with, uh, with well, abortion and... Well, I think there's a, there's a big difference between what you would want for yourself and what you would advocate as policy. I mean, there's a huge difference between saying, that's not something I could do in my own life, and saying, therefore, that's not something anyone else gets to do with their lives. I mean, there's a, hu that, there's, there's a gap there, and I know plenty of women who are vehemently... Uh, pro-choice, uh, 
who are clinic escorts. Um, it's sort of a free speech thing, right? I don't agree with what you have to say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. Mm -hmm. um, there's a huge difference between saying I could never do that for myself and saying I still support the right of other people. Well, to saying do it. you don't want other people to do it is also free speech. I mean, everything's free speech. I think you should be able to say absolutely whatever you want. Yeah. Well, so. ab you should absolutely be able to say anything you want, but there's a difference between saying it and enacting it as policy. I was a good listener in the womb, and um, <laughs> that's true. And uh, what, I, what I, changed? I, What's, what, nothing. I'm still a great listener. Uh, not a good talker. But uh, I'll, I'll never forget when I was being bored. I said, leave me in. You know, leave me in here. Kill me in here. Kill me in here. Don't bring me out there. But sure enough, she Where birthed me. Where is this me. joke going? What's that? Where is this joke going? Where is this going? Yeah. <laughs> Hell if I know. <laughs> Crushing it. Yeah, passionate. <laughs> no. The womb is a great place to be. Um, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Consent laws. There's some going on in California, Catherine. You are, you're working on something with the, the yes means yes campaign? I, yeah, I think yes means yes consent laws are kind of misogynist, actually. Because I've done this thing before where a guy's like, want to have sex with me, and I've been like, no, and then we didn't have sex. Uh, and I feel like saying that if you don't say yes, you can actually go so far as to assume that it's assault. Is saying that women are that incapable of ever saying no, which seems, seems kind of weird to me. I mean, I also would like to not have to, if I was on that campus, I would probably not just have sex because if I was having sex with somebody and they were constantly like, is this okay, is this okay? That'd be disgusting and I wouldn't want to have sex with them anymore. <laughs> Thank, well, you. You think about Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I mean, if there's one thing I know, it's that hearing the word yes moaned really passionately is a huge turnoff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it's up to me to decide personally what I think is, is a turn That's on the point or a of turn yes off. Means yes laws. It's up to you to decide. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's not. It's up to the school to decide how people should have sex with you. It, <laughs> it's which is very weird. I mean, it's very weird to say like the governor Jerry Brown, like, well, you know, if you don't tell these kids to have sex the way that we want them to have sex, then you don't get our money and your school is gonna fail. That is absurd. Mm. California is a shit show. You can think of a lot a lot more important things to focus on than whether a girl said yes enough during sex. Uh, you know, if you say no, I'm not like pro-rape, right? I'm not like right. saying if you say no, or if someone's too, is too incapacitated to say yes, but that's kind of assuming that females in general are always too incapacitated to say no. Can you say more about that? Well, well, yeah, I mean, I can just repeat, like, I don't know what else to say well, about it. Well, there was it. the, Lena Dunham just recently wrote her book, and uh, she has that, the, um, the situation where she was, like, you know, she was drinking a little bit, she did some Coke and some Xanax, and then they had sex, she was having sex with this guy, realized she, he wasn't wearing a condom, and he, like, you know, she, like, kicked him out. And uh, as she was telling the story, everyone was like, oh, my God, you were, like, that's like rape, you were raped. Um, but it really is sort of a, a gray area now. What do, what do you think, uh, Chloe, is it, um, is it an invasion of, of, of privacy in sort of this bizarre kind of liberal way uh, into the bedroom if the state is telling people what social agreement they have to enter before they have sex with each other. I want to I want to paraphrase what Ezra Klein said at Vox earlier this week, which is that a better term for the yes means yes law would be the you better be fucking sure law. Um, you better be fucking sure that she is into this or that he is into this. I think well, I have a terrible body. That's I'm not never what the sure law says, though. That's think, the, the thing. Though. Well, actually, it is what the law says. It says that you need to you need to consistently verify and make sure that your sexual partner or partners, plural, 
um, the law has the word all, not both, which I think is really great. Oh man, that, that's gonna. So we're like really gonna have like a court of law where one person's like it was a good moan and one person was like it was a bad moan. Like how can we? I mean, I feel like I don't buy that rapists don't know that they're raping somebody and that's why rapes are happening. I don't buy that. I either. believe that it's because there's bad dudes, and I don't think that. <laughs> Like horrible dudes. I don't think that Governor Jerry Brown being like, you got to make sure she's into it. Oh shit! I better stop raping girls. You know, I don't think. I don't I mean, think that's the solution here. I think it's insulting to everyone's intelligence to think that uh, it's because the government hasn't taught us if, whether people want to have sex with us or not, and that's why rapes are happening. I mean, you know? first of all, what the numbers show about repeat rapists is that you're absolutely right. They do know what they're doing. But what the numbers show about one-time rapists, about date rapists, people who commit. Uh, what you might call grey area rapes, which, you know, if you've been getting a girl, can, if you've been actively getting a woman drunk at a party, there's, it's not a whole lot of accident involved. Um, but we know, what mm -hmm. we know about those people is that they tend to swim in really toxic, permissive waters where the kinds of borderline behaviours are accepted and it's really easy to get away with committing rape. So you're absolutely right. Repeat rapists, people who target women, know exactly what they're doing. But that's a very small proportion of rapists. The rest, I've said the word rapist I've a lot seen, at I've this comedy. Yeah. I've seen that's a it's record. just like a regular stand-up show. Yeah, um, Mary, if we could get a ticker on the screen for the word uh, for the United States okay rapist. Yeah. Or yeah, do I get a gold coin every time I say it? Yeah. Um, do you think that that uh, takes away the uh, responsibility from the person who? I mean, because to get the idea of getting somebody drunk implies that they weren't drinking it themselves. I mean, if you make if you if you you know funnel it down their throat and they're like, please don't, that would be getting them drunk. But is it? Does it sort of uh, make them? seem as if, oh, they had no idea what they were doing, they're just course, a victim. No, I think I come at this from a, from a structural viewpoint. I'm a social scientist by training. I come from this from a structural viewpoint, and I think it's really ill-advised and short-sighted and fundamentally misunderstands how sexual violence works. This is real fun, you guys. This is just like I love a, it. a beat Monday night. I think, yeah. it, I, think, I, th I think it fundamentally misunderstands how sexual violence works to say that two people at a frat party, one of them on home turf, one of them already slightly incapacitated, one of them with the full support of the culture behind him, of his frat brothers behind him. And by the way, I don't want to indict frats. This happens in marching bands. It happens in the chess team. Whoa. I think it's... I think I've it heard is, about that chess team rape. I think it that is. is. That hey. is some of the trickiest <laughs> rape hey, I've ever you, seen. You, you joke, but a marching band in Ohio is... Oh. Being investigated right now, I think I think From it bones, we're not meant for that. <laughs> I think it fundamentally, <laughs> I think it fundamentally, and in some cases, willfully misunderstands how those power structures work to imagine that those two people walk into that party on a completely even footing because they don't. You, and so, so you no, you can't legislate power structures or any other abstract. That's stuff what our that government matter. is. And also, the problem with this is it actually gives schools an incentive to get dudes in trouble for sexual assault because the Department of Education gets to keep all the fines if they say that a school didn't try hard enough. And also, why are schools conducting rape investigations? I mean, I'm pretty sure Actually, that's for the what cops. Actually, what the I'm law pretty sure does. the cops are supposed to be doing that. I don't think, you know, if there's someone murdered on campus, they're going to bring the school and say, you know, there's a preponderance of the evidence that you murdered this person. You're Actually, what the law does is put in the hands of the school, the responsibility of making sure that one in five women on their campuses isn't being raped. That is a false statistic. That was based on two colleges. I'm pretty sure like the experience of every woman in the United States, it's, it's, it's not fair to just base it on two colleges. It's interesting. I, I hear that argument a lot. 
I, I hear the one in five stat a lot. And again, as someone with social science training, I think I've looked at it. I think that's a pretty rigorously collected stat. I don't have social science training, but I read the study and it says it was from two colleges. So. But right. the thing is, I hear that argument so much and I've yet to see an alternative methodology for collecting an accurate statistic. More colleges. Yet. Okay, <laughs> so you know what? I would love to see that study. Yeah, it doesn't exist. I, I, people, yeah, I, it not, doesn't exist. But you can't just, you know, like I asked so people, 10 people and nobody asked more people. So I'm going to say 10 and 10 people were raped and I'm going to base legislation off of it. You just well, can't do that. That wasn't the sample size. I think we well, all right, know that 10 yeah, was not the I sample was, size. I was not asserting that it was. I was hype, using hyperbole for, uh, as, an, as a, a mechanism. Right. So um, <laughs> do you feel as if college campuses are more dangerous now for women than they ever have been? Because, I mean, there's more women going to college than ever before. They, they tend to graduate at a higher rate. Really, there's a lot of good things happening. But do you feel like it's, uh, is it just being brought to light? Or is this, uh, uh, is this like a new phenomenon? Guys are just starting to sexually assault women at a rapid rate because, I don't know, 2008 happened. What? Whatever. Reason. 20, I don't know. 2008 it seems like a horny year. I don't know. <laughs> I'm thinking about 2008 now. Yeah, it, it is a horny year. Yeah. Obama. Oh, we just went way. She's, she's out of here. <laughs> I'm back. Uh, no, no, I, I don't. I no, I, I don't think it's a new phenomenon. I think it's been happening for a long time. I just think that there has been a a a, a movement afoot on campuses for a long time, and and there is there's been enough negative press. There's been enough. Uh, sort of powerful feminist movement around it that people are finally paying attention and legislation is finally being changed. And, you know, I don't think the yes means yes law is perfect, but I do think it is the law that we need right now. Uh, anything, anything has to be better than the status quo. Even if you don't accept that it's one in five, it is way too high. Anything has to be better than the status quo. It's not because of a changing culture. It's because Obama said if you don't change this, we're going to take your money away. Yeah. I feel like that probably has something to do with it. The Department of Education said, if you don't abide by Title IX, which is the law of this country, we're going to take your funding away. Right, and that, that law's already already been in place. I just, I don't, I, I don't know how... Oh, it's been in place, it's just not enforced. Right, I, I just don't know how this law is, is, is going to change anything except make, you know, give schools a financial incentive to side, you know, against, against people when they're getting accused of sexual assault, because... They didn't say, yeah, you know, enough. <laughs> well, what we know about report rates is that false reports for sexual violence are very, very low. They're about between 0.02 and 0.05%, which is the same for pretty much every other crime that happens in America. So I, I, I keep hearing about this epidemic of false rape mm -hmm. accusations. I never said that, yeah. Oh, no, so, not from you. But yeah. most of the counterarguments that I hear against the yes means yes law raise concerns about this rash of, of false rape accusations. And those, you know, false rape accusations do happen, but they are very, very rare. And they're much rarer than the real assaults that are happening on real campuses tonight and every night this week. Right. Um, well, let's move on. Uh, let's talk rape, about... Rape, Wait, rape. we're not going to talk about rape anymore? This is so much fun. Rape, rape. Oh, we'll stick with rape. Staying, but now we're on butt rape. Uh, this is one of my personal favorite subjects. Chloe, tell me, how do I get butt raped? I would love it. I, I just couldn't get enough of it. I don't know. You could ask one in five college students. Yeah. Yeah, that's just, you know, check the internet, guys. Um, all right, let's do... Uh, Let's talk about uh, women in the workforce. There's that what's uh, the wage gap. Sarah Silverman just did an amazing video on it. Um, it's very, very funny. 78 cents to the hour. Catherine, you have a personal experience here because you used to work. Uh, you work in a lot of conservative uh, places as a, uh, still as a conservative woman in these conservative environments. Um, we've spoken before uh, in full disclosure. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and there's been some fairly sexist things that have occurred uh, to you. I am a libertarian. Do not call me conservative. 
Um, <laughs> but also, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so I've actually definitely had personal experiences with not my current job, but I've had past jobs where I've made less money than my, uh, you know, than my coworkers who are male, and I... I'm I'm suspicious that some of it might have been because this place did not take me as seriously because I'm a female. But, however, I, as an indiv individual, think that the government can't come in and tell you how much you're supposed to pay your workers. And I did this thing where I talked to my boss about how much I was getting paid, and I stood up for myself, and I feel like we should be encouraging people to do that rather than getting the government involved. Yeah, people say this thing also, you know, about how some women you know, they want to go have babies, and so they, they make less money and all these other kinds of things. I don't, I, I'm not saying that's always the case. I think it's a cop-out to say that that's always the case, and I think it's a cop-out to say that that's never the case. Those things are not mutually exclusive. I think that every situation is different, and we're saying, you have to pay everyone this much. You actually take freedom away from everybody, including women, to make those kind of arrangements. So I don't think Obama knows what's going on in my office or any of your offices, as, you know, awesome and amazing and perfect as he is, you know. So. Chloe, what do you think? Well, I think this, the phrase that, that Catherine's used a couple of times now, I did this thing. Um, I did this thing where I, you know, didn't, I wasn't capacitated and I was in, too incapacitated to consent. I did this thing. I where never I, said I did that thing. But okay. You said I did this thing where I, oh, sorry, you said I did this <laughs> thing where I didn't want to have sex and so we didn't have sex. Which, yeah. Which is great. Yeah, it's um, great. And, you know, I did this thing where I stood up for myself and I went to my boss and I asked for a raise. And I think it's so great that you felt like you had the security in your job or the security in that sexual relationship to do that. What do you mean? You always have the security. What be, you know, I, I, rape is where you definitely don't have the security to say no or they're going to rip. That's rape. So, you know, I don't know. What, what do you mean by not having the security to say no? What I mean is that not all of us have the, secure, the job security. Or to say no to sex? To say to ask for a raise. Not oh. all of us have the even the, the the steady footing in our jobs in our workplaces or the right power dynamics in a sexual relationship to say no to sex when we want to. Um, so I, I don't I, understand I, that at all. Then you know what do you mean the right power dynamics to say no? Because you know then if if, if you, oh, if you can't way, say no, then that's we're going to be talking about rape. We're back on it. Rape. So. <laughs> Oh, I hope all of your concerns are uh, completely subsided. I, I, I just, I just don't understand the power dynamics is to to say no. Like you, you can, you can always say no, or else then that that's rape. Like I don't understand. Like I mean, it can be a little, you know, I don't, I don't know. Why would you not say no if you don't want to have sex, or right. then it wouldn't be rape? Or like, the, if you're like a sex yeah. slave, then you know that's also illegal, and we already. Yeah, you know, have laws against. So I want to. And I, I will keep, say, I wanna, male I prostitutes the, make seventy. Male prostitutes make seventy-eight cents to the dollar. Yeah, uh, wage compared gap. to female prostitutes. Yeah, it's one so of the. It's one of three industries in which women are paid more than men. It's sex work, modeling, and uh, egg and sperm donation. You guys are really oppressed. That must suck for you. What they? Oh yeah, sperm versus uh, versus eggs. How the sperm's losing? Mm. To well, be fair, it is a highly renewable resource. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> to, right. the, to, the, to the question of asking for a raise or asking for a promotion, this is my main objection to the lean-in school of solving sexism, which is that we are never going to self-help our way out of sexism. We're never going to individual Why? solution our way. I think it's so wonderful that you were able to go to your boss and ask for, a, ask for a raise or raise the issue of pay disparity with your boss. Not everyone has that kind of job security. Not everyone gets to walk around in the bodies that we walk around. Not everyone has the same kind of power in the world that we have. And I think in order to level the playing field in the way that we really want to, we need a collective response to a cultural problem, not an individual one-by-one -one solution. Like, get it. I mean, okay. 
But how, like, how is the government going to enforce that? You know what I mean? How is the government going to know that you actually deserve this much money or you actually deserve that much money? I mean, that, I'm so, like, it'd be great if the world were fair, but you just can't pass laws being like, from now on, this has to be fair. And this, I mean, no, it, but it's that would be start. awesome. That it's would be a awesome. a way to start. But uh, but but how how are you gonna how are you gonna uh, how are you gonna uh, enforce that? Because even the White House does pays pays men more than women. Yeah, which, so, uh, which I think is so. Uh, which I so think what's the solution here? They must. You, you think that there's absolutely you know no part of this for why you know it's there's a reason for it in some sense because it is true that more women work more part time hours and those kinds of things. I don't think it's the case every time, but I don't. Th- I think it's a little too gray for us to go subjecting businesses to blanket regulations from somebody who is sometimes a bajillion, not a bajillion, that's a hyperbole, miles away and doesn't know exactly what's going on in your own personal office with your own personal boss. Well, I think that would have been a valid argument three, four decades ago, but businesses have had plenty of time to level the playing fields by themselves. But how do you enforce it is still my question. How do you know uh, exactly what's going on in the office? What is what is the law? You have to pay a woman a certain, you know I mean? I don't understand what, what the specific law is or what is the solution. Well, I think wage transparency is a really good step towards that. So you know exactly what everyone in the office is being paid. So there's no way for businesses to get away with paying men and women differently for doing exactly the same work. You don't think that's a bit of an invasion of privacy or? No. Okay. Well, uh, thank just, God, as you can see, like, I'll talk about anything it? in public on the record. I, I'm, you know. <laughs> yeah. I get paid in Doritos, so I don't, it doesn't yeah. matter to me. I, whatever. I get, I get paid. Uh, wait, cool, cool Ranch or Plain? Ugh, I can't no, wait to get that important. Cool Ranch range. That, that raise. Yeah, I'm still, at, I'm still in nacho cheese year. You respect uh, yourself. But if you I keep on working yourself. overtime, I think I'll get the Cool Ranch raise this year. Um, either way, my kids are real obese. Um, but it's fine. You know. That's okay, though. Do you think, uh, what, 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 Chloe, would you go into the office? I would assume feministing probably is everybody's wages uh, sort of discussed there. I would assume, <laughs> guys, or is there a difference in, uh, in pay? Because sometimes, I mean, you know, it, that's, it's not necessarily a gender thing, perhaps. Uh, feministing is almost entirely unpaid. We run on a shoestring budget. It turns out freelance feminist blogging, not the most lucrative biz in the world. Oh my I goodness. know you're all stunned. Um, which I think is, is in itself part of the problem is that this kind of social justice worker expect to do it for free because if you really, really care about it, then you'll do it for nothing. Um, and the result is that you have people doing social justice work, doing movement work who can afford to, who have some other source of income, who have time enough to work unpaid part-time. And the result is that you get a really skewed class thing going on where the people who can't afford to work unpaid um, or you know do work for almost nothing aren't represented in social justice. It seems like well, there's an irony there, though, yeah, that's if, the, if your boss isn't paying you at all. But I mean, Feminist is a fairly good website, right? Yeah, and yet we work for nothing. It's a labor of love. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked, I, you know, I, I got started in journalism doing unpaid internships, and then I just worked, like, several restaurant jobs and uh, made my way through. And I, I just, I just it, it's hard sometimes, not just for being a woman or for coming from a family that doesn't have that much money. There's a lot of things that are fair and that are not fair. And, you know, you work hard, and everything's not going to be fair. And there is just no way for, as, you know, 
wonderful as the government is, to be able to swoop in and know how to solve everybody's individual right. personal problems. It's just not possible. Sorry. But, but everyone agrees, but just different methodology. You believe the government should help out and you believe the person should just take care of it for themselves. But I believe it's impossible for the government to solve the problem. Right, they're not smart enough. They're not, well, they can't true. even stop people from going into the front door. Right. Yeah. Um, which yeah. is a pretty easy thing to do. Yeah. The, yeah. Just gotta, you gotta lock it. You gotta, I, always, lock I always say the door. lock it. Every time I go into my Williamsburg apartment, I always lock it. Uh, you should, you should pass that on to the Secret Service. <laughs> yeah, yeah Secret know. Service. I'll let them know. Uh, but everyone agrees uh, on this stage, and I think everyone in, the, in this room, yeah, a dollar for a dollar, right? Right, I'm not saying pay me that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is there anything that's improved in the American family, do you think, uh, with women in the workforce? You know, because everyone's always like, oh, women have, you know, women who work, like, they were, like this is a conservative argument. Um, <laughs> Uh, not a libertarian one. Um, but, uh, you know, women in the workforce ruin the traditional American family. Do you think the American family is, is strengthened at all with, uh, with women in the uh, workforce? Is there, an, is there any benefits of it? Yeah. Is that a real question? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, I mean, my, my dad was the one who stayed home with me, not my mom, you know, and, that's, and I'm okay. I mean, I, you guys might all agree with it, but I think I'm just great, so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for, for, we agree. You're great. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I think the narrative that women just came into the workforce uh, out of nowhere in the 60s and 70s ignores a whole lot of history that lots of women had had to work for decades and decades before that. I mean, what happened in the 60s and 70s was that well-to-do upper-class women came in to the workforce for the first time. Um, and they were desperately campaigning for the right to work when there are plenty of other women who've been working their asses off who happily would have stayed home and had a rest. Um, so I think, I think it's not... I mean women came into the workforce in unprecedented numbers in the, during World War II and then in the 60s and 70s. I mean, that's true, there was a mass movement. But I think to say that women entered the workforce for the first time in the last 50 years is, a little, is not quite accurate and ignores you know, a whole lot of our history. Um, the first major feminist movement in this country was tied to, um, was tied to, the, was tied to women's right to earn money. Um, the Christian temperance movement, the movement to ban alcohol, which was a terrible idea, um, is inextricably linked to women's right to vote. Right? Women said, um, we can't go out and earn our own money. Our husbands are earning all the money and then spending it all on alcohol and then coming home and beating us and beating our children and leaving us destitute. Mm. Um, so we need to be able to earn our own money. That just brings me back. Yeah. How old are you? What's that? How old are you? I'm 33. <laughs> um, and so... <laughs> Women's, I mean, women's suffrage comes, comes about as a result of the fact that women have no power because they can't be in the workforce. Um, well, the vast majority of them can't be in the workforce, um, which is why uh, women got the right to vote so quickly after um, prohibition happened. Prohibition, terrible. Women's suffrage, great. I just want to be really clear on that while I talk about feminism on a stage drinking beer. Yeah, that is a through line through Drink forever. Vodka, Legal vodka. beer. We got um, vodka and vodka. beers. But, but I, mean, I, I mean, I think the American family has been in the process of transfer transforming for centuries. It's sped up and become really visible and really dramatic in the last two decades, I would say. Um, but what do you yeah. think is the reason for that? Women in the workforce, women earning yeah. their own money, women no longer needing I the think it's Jezebel.com. <laughs> yeah. It's all them. They're making a huge difference. <laughs> um, uh, I think it's women, women are no longer financially dependent on marriage and therefore on men to survive in the world. 
Thank God. Yeah, uh, right. No, I no, have no, no money. Seriously, you, 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 like you joke about that, but the fact that women can make their own money now actually, I think, levels the playing field between men and women in really dramatic ways, so that men no longer have to worry that women are with them just for the money. Somehow. Yeah. I, I, I don't deny that. I don't deny that. And for I a think second. that's also feminist if you want to do that. Let's Say more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I, who cares, man? If you want to go and. Uh, if you want to go marry a rich dude and uh, have babies and that's what you want to do, then is that, is that not feminist? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, what does feminist even mean? I just think all individuals should be doing what they want to do and there should be no judges. And, um, no judges? Really? I'm, I'm getting a lot of judges from that side of the stage. Really? I'm not judging you personally at all. I'm, uh, just politically. No, I mean, not even that. I'm just, you know... I'm totally thinking about myself and my own opinions, to be honest. That's so weird. Yeah, from a libertarian. So that's what this is about, a libertarian, yeah. Because I, I think we, we agree. Well, the, I mean, I don't know what you mean by that. That seemed like a, a personal attack. A libertarian, I think, wants the, ex- the exact same thing as other people. We just think, uh, you know, we have different ideas about the method on which how to get there, which does nothing about your worth or value as a person or the size of your heart. Yeah. All right, let's move on to like pop culture and uh, things like that. That's true. Everyone here has a heart, I would hope, unless... Big ones. Not that size matters, but... Well, I mean, that actually killed Andre the Giant in a large heart. So I I hope we all have normal-sized hearts for the bodies uh, that we we currently reside in. Um, What do you think about the uh, the, Beyonce and sex and pop culture and things like that? Obviously, it's like MTV. Uh, Like, it's technically like a liberal station, but you watch it, and it is... It's insane. I, I used to write for MTV and I've done a lot of shows and the conversations that, they're, that they have, I mean, basically they're one week. Next year they're just going to be showing buttholes. That's going to be a whole video is just Nicki Minaj's butthole close <laughs> zoom in. Um, but this is theoretically... May I please have another beer? You want another beer? Yes, please. Can I have another, yeah. another boast, though? Oh, no, no, it's just... I the, have a dry... The butthole no, no, puts I'm, you over no, the no, edge? No, no, I'm playing a drinking game. Every time I hear the phrase Nicki Minaj's butthole, I, I drink. Oh, I see. Yeah, for those listening Thank at you. home. Absolutely. Um, what do you think? Where are yeah. we at with that? As far as the representation in the music industry and, uh, and just in entertainment in general. How much time do you have? We have exactly 14 minutes. Wow. So. Okay. Nice. Um, well, do you, do you want to go ahead? I, I mean, I think that, honestly, I think that it, whatever a woman wants to do and if, if the American public is consuming that, if, for example, if the American public was down with buttholes on TV, I think there should be able to be buttholes on TV, but yeah. that's, they're not, I guess, yet. But yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like you shouldn't attack a woman who doesn't want to do that or a woman who does want to do that. Uh, I mean, I think it's really that simple. I don't think we need 14 minutes to really even talk about that. If that's what Beyonce wants to do. I, I mean, I, I do think that she is feminist in the terms she's saying, yeah, I'm going to do this. And she's kind of, you know, talking about the way like black women have been portrayed in the media. And I've heard that argument. If that's good, do that. If another woman wants to express it differently, good, do that. I'm not going to judge anyone on TV except in the fun way when I watch like Teen Mom 2. And I'm like, can you believe that he got another girl pregnant and that kind of thing. But, you yeah. know. Janelle had another baby. Come on, why? You know? But yeah, I think that expressing yourself in whatever way you want, like I said, no judges. I think no judges is a very, very important part of my philosophy. So No judges. Yeah. Uh oh, <laughs> Chloe, do some judging. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just I think that, that I think that framework that every individual gets to do what they want to do ignores how culture works, um, ignores the way that the culture that we live in shapes what we want, what we consume, 
uh, and what we then produce in popular culture. And I think I think it is. Uh, I think it's somewhat simplistic to say this happens in a vacuum. This woman wants what she wants in a vacuum. That guy enjoys watching that in a vacuum. I mean, we. I mean, everything we know about how culture works contradicts that. These things don't happen Ooh. in a vacuum, and I think it's well, worth examining the larger, the larger ecosystem that, the world, that we're all functioning in. Of course not. If people didn't dig it, then Beyonce wouldn't be famous. But, uh, you know, it just so happens that certain things individuals like will be, uh, you know, the things that the culture is into. But I, I don't know what you mean by, like, collectively, collectively producing. Do you mean, like, in Canada, how there's a law that a certain number of radio stations, radio stations have to play a certain amount of Canadian music? Because I think that's bullshit. Oh, I think everyone in the world thinks that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah really? I want, I want all bare naked ladies all the time. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They're rhyming underwear. All Ryan Adams all the time. But I'm an Australian, so I'm sort of, it's like yeah. Commonwealth solidarity going on there. That's the most controversial um, thing you said. I mean, you can't let it, obviously it, it determines, the culture, you know, collectively determines what is and is not popular, but I just don't understand in terms of, and we can all comment on it. I don't mean no judges in terms of I can't, you know, comment on whether I think it's horrible or not, but I mean, do I, you know, judge someone as a person? No. And should that, you know, not be allowed or allowed? No. I mean, I guess I don't. I mean, culture is kind of an organic thing, right? But what do you think about what do you think about Beyonce being like sort of the face for strong, powerful women? She still flaunts uh, her physical beauty so much. Is that a problem? Are those two things? I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I don't either. Yeah. I, I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. I mean, I think Beyonce and the rest of us, by the way, let's not separate ourselves from Beyonce. Let's be as close to her as we possibly can. Oh, I'm way different. I, <laughs> I think I Beyonce, like the rest of us, functions in a world where women's bodies are still currency um, and where women's bodies, when shaped in a particular way, are a very strong currency. Um, and so, you know, yeah. you know, the reason that she's worth the amount of money that she's worth is because she's incredibly talented, but also because she's trading on a very particular kind of currency, which we are right now, by the way, you aren't because you aren't wearing lip liner. Um, exactly. Well, I mean, my body is... I'm only here for Ben's body, to be fair. Yeah. I tried to, like, describe my body, I think it was like an OK Cupid or something, but they didn't have, like, a melting candle uh, <laughs> as, um, as an option, so I just went with fat. Kind of sad. Kind of a sad day for me, really. Um, but yeah, so it's it's all tied uh, to physical beauty, though. No, it's, no. It's not. I mean, CeeLo's not an attractive man. CeeLo? <laughs> Have you I've seen him? Been... Holy, that guy's a dreamboat. Wait, do you want to? Do you want to? Oh, see... dream. I meant tugboat. Do you... <laughs> I meant tugboat. Oh, yeah. um, uh, no, I mean, I think I think we could we could talk for hours about pop music and women's bodies, and particularly about Beyonce. I mean. PhD dissertations are being written as we speak, lots of them, lots of really obtusely worded PhD dissertations about Beyonce and pop music. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot to say, but I, I would really question the idea that, um, that being strong and powerful, whatever those you know, strong female character, whatever that means these days, and being physically attractive, that they are mutually exclusive. But I also think it's really important to recognize that a lot of the women who have that power going for them get there by, in some ways, trading on the fact that they are physically attractive. A lot don't, you know? Like, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, not hot, you know? And she's, she's crushing it, right? She's crushing it. You can totally... <laughs> You can totally, I mean, I think, I, 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 you know, there, that's one way. There, there's another way. There's all these different ways. Everybody has different strengths and weaknesses. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't drive, you know? And uh, that's not necessarily. Is that what's standing between you and pop stardom? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Can, can you sing, Catherine? I am tone deaf. Okay. 
It might be that, or the fact you can't drive. But it's clearly all the rape culture. That's what I'm going to go with. It's the right. rape culture. I am wondering, and uh, this will be one of the final questions. What is rape culture? Can someone define it for me, uh, please? Both, yeah. because I don't know. Um, it's, it's. I've heard so many different terms for it, and frankly, it's just a, it's, it's a little confusing. Yeah, I would say rape culture is uh, the permissiveness, sense of humor around, uh, and general lack of giving a shit about sexual violence um, that makes it really, really easy for actual acts of sexual violence to be committed and then to be denied, covered up, hidden, and have the victim blamed for it. Um, I, I sort of, I, yeah. Um, I'm in a comedy club, so I'm not going to talk about rape jokes. You're I'm, pro, I'm pro rape jokes. I just want to get that out there. If they're funny, if they're funny, that's fine. Because a lot of times rape jokes aren't like, ha ha, rape is hilarious. They're about something larger than that, and they just mention rape. And uh, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that that should be an issue. So you think a rape joke uh, emboldens the victim to then uh, make jokes about the situation and then? No, I don't. I don't even think it's. The... I don't think it's even like that. I think you know. I, I don't think it's even like that at all. There's a lot of instances where, you know, a rape joke's about something else, but, you know, when, you know, people say, oh, well, they mentioned rapes, that's, that's not funny. I mean, everything can be funny, right? I mean, a dude on stage, like, yeah, my dick and rape, is that's, like, not funny, right? right. And that dude sucks. And, <laughs> but, it, I mean, a lot of times they're about, they're about something larger. And, you know, I, I had a friend who had a joke that was, you know, you know, like, you know, like Sam Morrill, like that whole thing that happened to him where yeah. he had, he had a joke where he said, you know, it was like, um, I'm going to ruin his joke. And so he'd probably be mad because I'm not going to be as funny at, at telling it. But he said like, you know, like during, during like sex or whatever, you know, I, it's like this, this girl said the N word and then he was like, everyone's like, oh my God, this white guy's going to say the N word. And then he says no. And people are like, laugh, like they're like relieved, like, oh my God, he could think it was just a rape joke instead of him saying the N word. Well, what does that and say I feel like society? that's more about like how right. people do take it lightly. Right. But a lot of people were pissed. Like, how dare you say it's funny when a woman gets raped? And it's like, that's not what he was saying. Actually, it is what he was saying. I mean, I think the distinction how? that you're making, this, well, the I... distinction that you're making is between rape, jo rape, rape jokes that make fun of those who are raped and rape jokes that make fun, that punch up, that make fun of rape culture or of rapists. And I think I'm totally yeah. down that with That was the joke right? making fun of the, rape culture. The, I think that joke was, and Chloe, uh, I want to hear your opinion on it, but what, yeah. I think that joke, joke actually points out how sensitive we are about race to the point where, you know, yeah, the, the, that they where, literally the yeah. word no in this situation implying rape broke tension, which is obviously where laughter which comes from. Which should have got it was messed rape. up, which is right. exactly, and that but was it, like his point of the whole joke. But women got mad about it because they just like, like, rape, rape, and not like all women, but it was like a huge feminist No, hashtag not all women. Attacked. And to be fair, there were yeah, plenty of... I don't of, think there, anything is, is true for to all To be women, fair, there were, plenty of, there were plenty of men who thought that joke was unacceptable as well. There were plenty of stand-up comedians. I don't understand what was unacceptable Because it mentioned rape? No, because it made light of rape. It didn't. Okay. How? I, can we get back to the issue of rape culture? Because I think, yeah. like I said, I... I don't think we left it. Yeah, we're still <laughs> no, talking I, about I, no, it. We're in it. I bought a house. I got a whole new zip code now. Right. I mean, I live in rape culture. Yeah. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> don't we all? Um, <laughs> you thought that was funny. <laughs> She's a very smart woman. <laughs> um... I mean, I think the, I think the fact that uh, so many of us find it permissible to joke about, honestly, the worst thing that can happen to a person and to sit around debating in the presence of survivors of that act, by the way, statistically speaking, there are survivors of that act in this room. The fact that we can sit around debating like it doesn't matter, like the question is, is this funny or not? And not, how can we be preventing this horrible thing? 
That is what it means to live in rape culture, that we can sit around debating whether or not rape is funny and no, not I'm whether not or not... No, I'm not saying rape's funny, just yeah. so everyone knows. Not okay. saying rape's funny. But joking about rape is funny. No, it's, the, the again, joke think, is not about rape. Like, so we can't even mention rape in like a larger construct oh, of, of anything. Can. There are plenty well, of rape jokes that I find doing. hilarious. Right, Louis C.K.'s joke about how you should never rape a person unless you really, really want to have sex with them. Wanda Sykes' joke about having. I feel a, like that is way more. Wanda Sykes' joke, like making fun Wanda of the actual act of rape about, is not about anything. The Wanda else. Sykes' joke about having I'm a lost. detachable vagina so that you can go out jogging at night. The John Mulaney joke about like how weird it feels to have someone. So look wait, at you why is the Louis C.K. joke okay and the other ones not? Because totally clear that he's being entirely sarcastic so is, right you know I, I just I just, I just think that's actually that's a fame <laughs> thing but um I, th- I agree I was like maybe uh, just because Louis C.K. yeah but yeah last last question um obviously now we have a group of uh, children who are never allowed to be criticized or shame is some shame good Does yes. sh- shame as a child yes. is that ever good wait is- wait I have children I don't. Do you? Wait, we have children. Yes. Wait, yeah, we have we children. Have children? Wait, who has you children? Have, have you not been around the past ten years? Yeah, we have a whole life, uh, and you have been a great mother, oh, we and you stay at home with me. Wait, sorry, you don't remember this? Yeah, I go to work every day. I'm sorry, I was you too busy ho- leaning in. Um, That's ridiculous. Um, what, what children are we talking about? Kids in general nowadays. You're not. A- there's just a march, the anti-bullying march. Uh, you know, as kids. As Wait, bullying child- is good now? Sometimes. Say more. How is bullying good, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I think, I think shaming can sometimes be good. Uh, for example, when I was in high school, people made fun of me a lot, and it's allowed me to succeed today because I realized what's wrong with me, right? Like, I had this, like, weird... Uh, I'm serious. I had this weird, like, side-bang mullet. <laughs> and, like, I, like, wore hot Topic clothes, and I used to sit in the back of the classroom just, like, scrawling Dashboard Confessional and My Chemical Romance lyrics on my notebook. Not cool. We would have right? been best friends, though. People told me that it wasn't cool, and I don't mean bullying in terms of making someone li- someone's life a living hell, but now I know it's not cool because that behavior would have never allowed me to succeed in the workplace. Okay, you know? so can we talk about actual bullying or just, like, pretend bang mullet well, bullying? Well, it wasn't pretend. It was very real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, what do you mean pretend? I mean, there's, like, harassment and abuse, and then there's, like, bullying. But, I mean... Y- I think that there's a huge difference. Shaming can sometimes be help, uh, helpful, I think. I don't mean in a mean way, but, you know, kids making fun of each other is normal. Do you feel like the fact that you got shamed helps you go into your office, uh, your boss's office, and be like, give me money? Give 100%, me because I overcame people being like, "Side, your side mullet sucks, and, you know, I don't know. You guys, it was really bad. Yeah, like, you, that's, that's some serious I would have had no then. career with this side. And I used to, like, flip it out with a hair iron on purpose, and I don't know why. Chloe, what's your definition but, of real bullying, if that's not... Uh, I would say consistent, uh, consistent harassment or abuse on the basis of some form of difference. I wouldn't count uh, side bang mullet in the kind of difference, but um, it's very different. <laughs> maybe maybe dashboard confessional lyrics because that's a, that's that's a bridge too far. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, would, I would. Song, I, would right? I mean, I mean, I mean, what the statistics show us is that bullying disproportionately affects um, queer youth and it makes them unlikely to show up to school, unlikely to graduate, unlikely to be able to get a good job. I mean, it has knock-on effects all the way up into adulthood. I'm really glad that your bullying was productive and that it allowed you to go get a, get a raise at work, but that is not representative of how yeah. bullying works. I mean, well, I'm not, I'm not a, pro... Cu- 
like bullying gay kids out of school. I don't okay, think so anybody. Uh, not, a, uh, so, so I just want to clear: she's not pro rape and she's not clo- pro bullying kids out of school. That is great. I, will, as a, I mean, as I, a, I don't. I don't think that that should be that. I, I don't really think anybody really is. I don't think there's you know in terms of shaming, in terms of bullying, yeah. we see a lot of schools kind of overreacting to the slight things sometimes, and I feel like a lot of these kids are going to grow up to be pussies and we'll, yeah. <laughs> we will see who is right in 20 years. As the youngest of three brothers, both of my older brothers being gay, um, <laughs> I'm just going to say this. Gays are mean bullies. <laughs> and uh, they destroyed me. So, six foot seven redheads, if you're out there listening, I understand what you've gone through. And, I understand what you're going through. and, it, and it, get, it gets better. What's that? It gets better. It, well, it actually doesn't. It gets worse because you moved to New York and everything's shorter. Um, but that's okay. Uh, awesome. Thank you so much, Catherine. And thank you so much, Chloe. Uh, this you. was like really fun and informative. And I learned so much. Uh, thank you guys so much for coming. Well, thanks so much for listening. Let's keep the conversation going. You can follow Catherine Timpf on Twitter. She's at KC Timpf. That's T-I-M-P-F. And Chloe Angel on Twitter. That's C-H-L-O-E-A-N-G-Y-A-L. And, of course, I'm at Ben Kissel on Twitter. Um, all right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.